Hi, I'm Randy, and this is Dave. We're the founders of Bombas, the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. So comfortable, we sold and donated millions of pairs. To sell and donate a lot of socks, we became obsessed with comfort. We reinvented the sock from the ground up, adding comfort innovations along the way. It worked. People tried them, loved them, told their friends about them. Helping us sell and donate millions of pairs. Try them now at bombas.com slash comfy and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash comfy. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade, for that introduction. It's always great to be using technology and helping consumers save money and talking about sustainability. We're going to be talking about natural gas today because natural gas has really given the United States of America a competitive advantage. And in the studio with me, PJ Zonzius from Gas South. Hey, PJ. Hey, how are you doing today, Tim? Hey, you're always the sharpest dresser. I always tease you about that. Uh, but uh, we'll have to put a photo of you up, up up on our Twitter handle. Meredith Hodges is also with Gas South, and we interact with her a lot here at the commission. Hey, Meredith. Hello. Thanks for having us. Tell me what your role is at Gas South. I'm responsible for all of our regulatory work, so uh, interfacing with the commission and the commission staff on matters that pertain to our business, along with matters that pertain to of AGL's business overall, like the capacity supply plan and the rate case. And you speak German. Can you greet our German listeners today with just a with, with just a greeting? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, guten Tag. Uh, ich hoffe, dass alle die uh, sehr gut sind. All right. We love it. Well, uh, we're going to dive into some stuff. Uh, we've talked about a number of topics before, as you guys uh, are regulars on our show. But I want to talk about this idea of renewable natural gas. It's something that I don't know that all of my renewable friends out in the state fully understand what we're talking about. So, PJ, let's just start with a definition. What is renewable natural gas? So, renewable natural gas is something that has been evolving for uh, a short period of time, really in the last five to six years. And it is literally taking methane from landfills or manure or anything that has methane and and creating pipeline-grade natural gas that goes into the pipeline and is used just like any other natural gas. It has amazing uh, impacts on on carbon monoxide emissions um, in so many ways. You know, uh, we've done shows on composting and recycling. We've talked about how it's better not to contaminate your plastics with a bunch of, like, taco meat or, you know, ice cream, that it's better to keep them separated because it it helps in the recycling process. But in this case, you're telling me that by putting my food scraps uh, into the landfill and making sure that they are actually going to that landfill, that I'm actually possibly, depending on what the landfill is doing, I'm actually creating energy. You are. It's really interesting. If you, uh, if you think about it, uh, as far as pollution goes, the methane gas that comes out of manure and out of landfills has a significant impact on the ozone. So when we do this, not only do we provide clean natural gas for CNG vehicles and for, for manufacturing, but we're actually discounting the amount of methane gas that is going into our atmosphere. So it's a win-win. It's not just carbon neutral. It's carbon negative. I was at the Gwinnett Landfield over near Lake Lanier uh, when, uh, I guess it was Republic Waste Services, uh, did their uh, landfill gas program and i was I, I was surprised to see just how compact it was and how i won't say easy it was to do because it was expensive and it required us at the commission to actually pay a little more for that electricity because it took so much to kind of stand up that process but really when we think about 
just the concept of sustainability for us not to use that resource, I think it's probably a waste. Yeah, no, it's 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 new technology, and like any new technology, it needs support both from private industry, government, and the regulatory. This in this what it what it's going through right now is it needs to scale, and so you're seeing companies like Southern Company, Chesapeake Utilities making million dollar investments in creating thousands of decatherms of supply that is going to come into and is coming into the Georgia pipelines. Let me talk to you a second about liquefied natural gas, uh, because we talked about regular natural gas is coming out of the ground. We've talked about compressed before. Now we've talked about renewable, but liquefied requires you to get it really cold, but we're actually powering ships with this stuff now? Yeah, so there's a new regulation, and uh, actually a worldwide regulation that goes into uh, effect in 2020 that requires ships to reduce their emissions. And they use the worst grade diesel currently. And so this is a big uh, this is a big worldwide initiative to, to help the CO2 impact. Now, how does that impact Georgia? It's got a big impact to Georgia. LNG is liquid natural gas. So it is natural gas and has all the clean uh, uh, clean resources that natural gas has. But we have the Port of Savannah. And the Port of Savannah, and along with the transmission lines, is going to provide us a great opportunity to be a big player in that space. We recently had a car carrier capsize between Jekyll Island and St. Simons. Uh, the last time I checked, they had gathered up 193,000 gallons of diesel fuel that had uh, either hit the water or was about to hit the water. The thing about liquefied natural gas is that when it leaks, it evaporates and goes up into the atmosphere because it's lighter than air. So from a safety standpoint, it really sounds like LNG is far more safer than diesel. Yeah, I guess, Tim. I haven't really thought about it in that way. And obviously, we don't want big shipwrecks. But in many ways, it just like on cars on the road, gas, the natural gas will just disperse into the atmosphere. Um, it is much safer in vehicles and in ships. As we think about the future and us building terminals like on Elba Island, if folks have been to Savannah and you look and you look down river, you can see Elba Island where they liquefy gas and put it on the ships. And we, we used to actually receive that natural gas, but because of just the plentiful supply here, we're now exporting this gas. So that gas, I guess it travels across the Atlantic Ocean, right? It's kept coal. 200 and, you know, the temperature is at, I think it's 200, minus 263 degrees. I don't know if you've ever seen that demonstration they do. Yes, I have. And, uh, you know, you got to be careful when handling it. But uh, when when you move natural gas from a liquid form, it you you can you just basically heat it up. It, it creates natural gas. It just moves into the vapor form and we can use it on engines and anything else that natural gas can be used on. You know, as I think about geopolitics and I, obviously I don't regulate any, you know, in any foreign policy or foreign foreign affairs, but. What we do here in Georgia, it does impact the world in some some ways and vice versa. But as we put that gas liquefied uh, onto a ship, and by the way, when it, when you liquefy it, it condenses down to like you know one six six sixty at the of the size. So it really travels better when cold uh, as it goes across, and they use it in Europe. I have a feeling that the Europeans are going to love this because they're pretty captive to the Russian gas market. And if we are sending stuff over there from the U.S., we're essentially creating more dependence on the United States and our resources, a far different turn than what we had in the 70s when we were so dependent upon you know, foreign oil in the Middle East. Now, all of a sudden, we are the leader in the world, right, with natural gas production. Yeah, I mean, it is a global world right now, and um, it gives us a lot of leverage as as we expand our ability to move fuel and natural gas being a key part of that to the other other areas of the world at an economic price that makes sense. We become uh, more, uh, we have a higher ability to influence um, that, and and, uh, it's going to be a really good thing for us. Um, You have to balance that, obviously, with 
the the need of natural gas domestically. But uh, based on everything that I know as far as our supply, we have a lot of it, and uh, this is a this is a great asset for um, for us uh, us in uh, the United States. You know, I know folks look at their gas bill in Georgia and they see, you know, a number of different charges. And I don't think what they fully appreciate is the fact that that pass-through charge from Atlanta Gas Light, it in part funds these underground pipes as we as we expand these pipes out, taking them to places they haven't been before, allowing people like uh, a poultry farmer, for example. I mean, what... What difference? I know y'all have a number of poultry customers in, in, in Gas South. What kind of game changer is it for a poultry producer to be able to move to a, a dependable fuel like methane delivered in a pipe? I mean, it's it's big. I mean, I think you hit on two subjects there. One, one of the big issues in the natural gas industry is pipelines. We have a ton of gas, and that's been relatively in the last 10 years, and we're talking about large pipelines. Uh, the Transco and Sonat getting the gas to Georgia. AGL has done a fantastic job of expanding pipelines, and one of the benefits of that is the poultry farmer. The poultry farmer's second expense do after their lease of their farm is uh, energy, whether that's electricity or natural gas. What natural gas provides them is a stable, uh, they can go in multi-year contracts, it's a stable fuel, it's delivered in the ground, so it's more reliable, and it's, a, it's been a huge savings for them. And let me just tell you, I know a lot of these poultry farmers, and they are amazing people. This is a significant piece of their income, and if you can lower that cost a little bit, you have real impact on people's lives. Yeah, baby chicks don't take a vacation. They have to have uh, they have to have attention, and and they like warmth too uh, as they're as they're growing. And for all of you out there that eat Zaxby's and Chick Fil A, I, I hope you're saying Amen right now. Well, I want to thank my guests for being on this Energy Matters on the Road segment. PJ, thanks for uh, thanks for all you do uh, and your explanation of these technical matters for our listeners today. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tim. And Meredith, I guess you were here to kind of hold his hand and, get, and give him comfort. Uh, we didn't let you say a whole lot, but I know that you are working tirelessly on behalf of your customers and others out there, really representing even other marketers as you've done so well. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. This is Tim Eccles, and you're listening to Energy Matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Logan Booker, producer of Energy Matters, here for Green Power EMC. From the suburbs to rural farming communities, Georgia is enjoying the benefits of a more sustainable future through the power of solar energy. Available from 38 of Georgia's member-owned electric membership cooperatives, or EMCs, these not-for-profit utilities are harnessing the sun's energy to bring clean, renewable, and affordable electricity to 4.2 million Georgians. For more information, visit www.greenpoweremc.com or contact your local EMC. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. We interrupt this episode of Energy Matters to take you outdoors. On the road again. Hey, this is Commissioner Eccles on the road. Today, we're learning more about natural gas. Uh, that's the stuff that you can't see, but it comes into your house if you're lucky enough to have it. And it's cheap. 
Uh, it is it is so cheap. It's cheaper than it's been in a long, 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 long time. And our citizens are really enjoy the, enjoying the benefits of it. I've got with me a couple guys uh, that think about natural gas every single day. Freddie Cardoza uh, is here. He's the chief supply and risk officer for Gas South. Hey, welcome back, Freddie. Thank you so much. And P. Jay Zonzius, one of the sharpest dressers in the state. I always tease him about that. Uh, PJ, thanks very much for being here uh, on Energy Matters on the Road. Glad to be here, Tim, always. Man, we're going to learn about compressor stations today. We're going to learn about compressed natural gas. Let me start with you, PJ. Is all natural gas, is it, I mean, when it comes out of the ground, is it compressed? And why do we... Uh, and do we compress it to get it down the pipeline? And, and, and why do we have to compress it more to get it, say, into a car? Yeah, so compressed natural gas is just, it's still natural gas. It just matters at what PSI it's put into a, a vehicle or, or some kind of manufacturing um, uh, process. The, the benefit of compressing gas is exactly that. From a volume standpoint, you're able to transport it. Um, with higher volumes and uh, you know it's it's a key thing and it's a evolving technology not just for vehicles but also for industrial supply you know i had a 1999 honda civic it was my first car i came to the commission with that natural gas car um, and it was a great learning experience learning about all this psi because some of the pumps had a lower PSI. Some of them had a higher, and I quickly learned, wow, the higher the PSI, the more gas I can fit into my, into my tank. And, but it also costs more to compress it, I, I guess, because you, you've got safety concerns and you're having to, to do it right. What are the challenges around compressing natural gas? Well, I mean, I think there's, there's a couple. When you see the, the cost of natural gas at a CNG station, it's $2 and call it $0.30 cents, uh, GGE, which is a gasoline gallon equivalent. The interesting part about that is that only about 20% of that cost is actual commodity. So the other 80% is the cost to build the stations, and a huge portion of that is the compression cost. So if you ever look behind a fence at a CNG station, you'll see a lot of equipment there, and that equipment is not cheap. You know, a term that we talked about a lot as we were doing uh, doing uh, public-private partnerships here in Georgia to build out some of these stations was redundancy. And that's one of the things that uh, that Atlanta Gas Light and, and our marketers like yourself were insisting on is, hey, this has got to be a redundant system because if the main compressor goes down, you need another one because people are depending on this fuel, uh, right? So as we think about UPS and we think about other trucking companies that – that pump this marta uses natural gas i mean the the equipment has to work right yeah the equipment has to work and uh, you mentioned ups i mean they just made another significant investment into cng so you know if you had a station and and just on basic you could run it on you know one one compression well you're going to have to have double that and that that obviously increased the cost i would also note that you know cng is using being used more and more as a redundancy and a backup in the industrial space for manufacturing um, and that is a evolving technology and something that's really interesting for us at gas south and for our industrial customer base across the southeast I was visiting with Microsoft in Seattle as we were trying to recruit them here to build another data center. And one of the things that Microsoft was insisting on was natural gas backup. Can you explain what backup means and why, why would a company like Microsoft not want to use diesel generators, but instead use natural ga gas generators to back up their data centers? Pretty simple. You know, natural gas pipes are in the ground. Diesel has to be transported. So it's just a much more reliable fuel. It's cleaner and it costs less. What we're seeing a whole lot more of is these big projects with either data centers or manufacturing where they're actually offsetting some electric costs by using natural gas either as a backup or as a, a, a viable alternative for local power generation. Freddie, as we think about how the gas gets from out west here or from Pennsylvania to here, because we don't really have any active natural gas wells in the state of Georgia, folks may recognize um, 
maybe a, a right-of-way that doesn't have any power lines but has these little maybe yellow pipes or orange pipes and they see these fences from time to time. What are those fences around? They're compressors, but what, 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 what are those things doing? Yes, it's the whole uh, transmission and distribution of natural gas system, pipeline system. So it's basically the actual pipes that move the gas at certain distances, at certain points. They have to be compressor station that will recompress the gas because as it moves, it loses pressure. As it moves throughout the pipeline due to friction and the viscosity associated with the with the fluid, it will lose pressure. So every Every certain distance, they have to uh, repressurize the gas to keep it moving along the pipeline. They also have other functions. For instance, they can have a station where they there is a, a pipeline or a lateral, as we call it, that branches off the main line. So they will need a station there to... To, for the ability to branch off the gas. They also have metering stations where they measure exactly how much flow, gas is flowing in each direction. And there are other facilities, for instance, odorization stations when they, where they inject a chemical mercaptan that will add the characteristic uh, smell of natural gas, which is added for, for safety reasons because uh, methane and the natural gas is actually odorless. So they have, again, to recap, compressor station, metering stations, odorization stations, and the places where the system branches off into different laterals. You know, if I had been designing the smell of natural gas, I mean, I would have gone with like a lemon flavor, maybe an orange or uh, something that, you know, was more pleasant than that rotten egg smell. Is there something magic about that? Is it easy to put in? How does that actually get into the system? Two main reasons for that. One of them is that it's simple and uh, a small amount is is a very pungent order that uh, you don't need to add a lot of the chemical itself to have... That reaction. The other is we don't like people to like the smell because the the smell has to f- signal something bad going on. So we we want people reacting negatively to the smell and and being conscious that there's something bad going on. When a consumer smells that smell, that rotten egg smell, and our listeners are all over the state of Georgia, is that something you can just kind of wait on, or is it something that you really should take seriously and, and take some action? I should always take it very very seriously. The natural gas industry has very high safety standards, which makes it overall a very safe fuel choice. But just like with any other source of energy, even electricity requires certain precautions and certain care and things that you shouldn't do and should be cautious of. Natural gas is the same. The smell in the gas is something that at the very least flags something going on that is abnormal. You're not supposed to be smelling that gas. So there is some leak somewhere that can be very bad and people should take prompt action and if they don't know what is going on that they should really go ahead and call the like the utility and warn them of of the of the smell and the possibility of a gas leak pj uh, there there are some states that I go to, like California, where I feel like I feel like these California regulators have declared war against natural gas. They, they view it as one said, hey, natural gas is the new coal. But in Georgia, we really see natural gas as something that's given us a competitive advantage with manufacturing. Uh, because certainly there are certain types of industries that absolutely can't run on electric heat. They have to have gas. I mean, why is natural gas so important to bringing jobs to Georgia, growing economic development, helping poultry farmers? What's what's magic about it? First, we have a ton of it, and it's very efficient for the manufacturing sector. I would note that the, uh, the I have some friends in California, and it is a tough environment out there. However, there are some interesting things that they're actually doing well on the renewable side that I do think that Georgia um, should look at. Now, on the manufacturing side, we have the, our energy cost for manufacturing is, as I'm sure a lot of you guys know, is one of their top line items. And so when you can go to a company and you can bring them from, uh, from a different state or a different country and show the decrease in energy costs, that's a significant decision. Uh, we just had a project that landed in Valdosta called Arglass, and they're going to be making bottles for Bacardi. And this is, it is a significant economic development. 
development project in a challenged part of the state. And natural gas was one of the main reasons that they came to Georgia. And not only that, because we had a deregulated market, we were able to do different things with their commodity that allowed them to secure risk. So Georgia was well positioned to get that project and natural gas was a big part of it. Well, I want to thank both of you guys for being a part of Energy Matters on the Road. I'm at Twitter. I'm at Tim Eccles. Our show's at Matters Radio. I don't know if you guys hang out on Twitter. I know Gas South does, uh, and uh, you guys are at Gas South on on Twitter. Uh, either you guys do social media of any kind. Uh, I have my Twitter account, but quite frankly, I use it mostly to follow others. I follow you, and then you have very interesting postings always. Thank you so much. How about you, PJ? Yeah, you know, I'm one of those millennials, so I'm on Facebook and, and Twitter and all those right there. So you can reach me at PJ Zons on Twitter. Well, we're going to post some fun, fun pictures, uh, and we invite you to uh, follow us on social media. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters on the Road. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure you receive the highest quality solar energy system in the industry. They're proud to work with you before, during, and after the install, blending customer demand, system capability, and expertise to provide the best service possible. Contact them today at 770-485-7438 or creativesolarusa.com. Tim Eccles for Marlin Gas Services. As the port continues to grow, more and more trucking companies are using natural gas in their trucks instead of diesel. Marlin Gas Services is helping to usher in this clean opportunity. With their specialized rigs, they create virtual pipelines with all the equipment and expertise to provide reliable, clean natural gas. Marlin Gas is the company that gas utilities, pipeline companies, and industrial facilities turn to. See MarlinGas.com for more information. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMVW Auto Sales. COVID-19 has changed everything, even buying a car. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, not only sanitizes every car, but you can buy it online and they'll trailer it to your home anywhere in Georgia and surrounding states. They've used electric cars, plug-in hybrids, and traditional hybrids. Check out the inventory at ev-hybrid.com. That's ev-hybrid.com. They have a three-day loaner period as well if you want to make sure electric works for you. Check them out at ev-hybrid.com. Hey, welcome back to Energy Matters, and we're talking about natural gas, and uh, some of you out there have natural gas in your home. Others of you may use electric heat or maybe propane, but natural gas or methane is certainly a very popular fuel, very cheap fuel in Georgia. In the studio with me today, uh, I've got Nancy and Tara from uh, the Georgia Public Service Commission. They actually are, are on our staff. want to say uh, hello to each of them. Tara, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. And Nancy, thanks for your leadership over there in our gas unit. I'm doing absolutely wonderful. You know, as consumers think about how to save money, and that's part of what my show is about, is saving money, using technology, and living a more sustainable life. You know, when it comes to technology, folks may not know that there's actually technology that they can use as a gas customer to help them save money. Let's talk about this Nest thermostat because it works with gas and not just electricity. Right, Tara? That's correct. We have several gas companies that have that for their customers. How does it work? Will they put it in or do you need to put it in? Do you need to go to Home Depot or Lowe's? What's the best way for a customer to get a Nest thermostat? Well, you have several ways. Some marketers actually have plans associated where you get a free, you receive a free thermostat. But any customer can go to a home, a Lowe's, Home Depot. There are several programs out there that offer it due to energy efficiency. And one of the cool things about the Nest thermostat is being able to look at it and on your phone, right, and being able to adjust your adjust your home based on uh, on, on your phone if you say forgot to to turn turn it down let's talk about this ideal temperature that that we need to be setting our thermostat to i know there's one marketer out there that does a whole advertising campaign around a husband and wife running back and forth and changing the thermostat but what what you set it as is 
important. Right, Nancy? Yes. If you have four cycles, my opinion is that 72 degrees is a good temperature. Some people say 68. I think that's a little bit too cold. So you would set your temperature to start running, for example, maybe 6 a.m. and then noon, then 5 p.m. and then 11 p.m. And keep in mind that sometimes customers say, well, my thermostat was turned off. I was gone for a week and I still have this, this high bill. If it is 30 degrees outside and your thermostat is on 62, it is still going to run. So just keep in mind that turning your thermostat off completely is not necessarily going to save you as much money as you think it will. Because when you return home, you're going to have to turn that thermostat back on, and that furnace is going to have to run much harder to get a warm temperature in your home. We talk a lot on Energy Matters about the electric companies, whether it's Georgia Power, Walton EMC, Jackson EMC, their time of use rate, we really don't have anything like that available for gas. So you just really have to be mindful of what you're setting that thermostat on. And we have a number of gas marketers. You may not know that we deregulated gas in the state of Georgia in 1997. Uh, it allowed for different companies to sell the gas while Atlanta Gas Light owns all the pipes and we regulate them. In other words, we make sure that they are uh, spending the money wisely, that they're adding pipes, that they're, that they're being audited, all the things that you would think from regulating a company we do. When a marketer misbehaves in Georgia, uh, we, we score those marketers on a monthly basis, and we're not going to mention any marketers in specific here. Tell me about this scorecard and why it's important for consumers to be able to see how their company's doing. Um, it's a snapshot of the type of inquiries we get from consumers. Uh, there's a billings standard, there's a service standard, there's deceptive marketing and monthly total. The commission absolutely does not tolerate any deceptive marketing. So this gives us an opportunity to contact the marketers, bring them in, and find out what they need to improve in terms of customer service. Um, we had one particular marketer recently. Um, they had a lot of inquiries regarding customer service. And as we read through the complaints, guess what was missing? customer care and service was missing from their customer service and we have met with them we had them come in and they're supposed to be working on the customer service putting care back in customer service as i travel the state speak to students consumers rotary clubs people often are a little bit cynical about government they're even more cynical about politicians like me it's really great to know that you guys are looking at those complaints you're looking for trends you're you're then calling those marketers and asking them, and you're, in some cases, calling them to the principal's office and saying, look, you've got to get this straight, and we want to see how you've done it. Nancy, I can remember us terminating marketers' right to sell gas in the state. It's happened before, and it could happen again because we count on our staff relaying this information to us so that the, we, we as commissioners then can bring the hammer down so to speak. I mean, you've seen the hammer come down, haven't you? Absolutely. When they're slamming complaints, they are fined. Customers are given back uh, money for what they use, and then they're given a certain amount every day, plus a penalty on top of that. Let's define slamming. Exactly what does that mean uh, for our listeners? When, if, if they've been slammed, what, what's happened? A marketer has switched you to their account, and you did not give them the authorization. And are these marketers recording these calls? I mean, would they be able to say, oh, yeah, we've got you on tape. You, you've done this. So obviously, if you've been slammed, they can't produce it, correct? If they have been slammed, we listen to the actual recordings and we can verify whether or not you were slammed. And Tara can go into more detail because she's listened to hundreds of the recordings. Uh, yes, actually, as early as last year, we had a slamming situation. And what a lot of marketers do is they hire third-party vendors. And when a third-party vendor talks to the customer, it's usually a recording that the customer gets when they're transferred to the third-party vendor. And what we had to do is we have to go through and we have to determine, is it legitimately? And if a customer never agreed to the service being added, then we, we uh, identify it as a slam. So if a customer thinks they've been slammed, they certainly can email me and, and I'll forward it right on to Nancy and, and Tara and they can investigate it and take a look at it. So you can reach me at 
tecles at psc.ga.gov or always go to Twitter at Tim Eccles and even just send me a direct message and we'll make sure you get that. Let's talk a second about the difference between a fixed rate and a variable rate and 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 how that there's really money to be saved on a fixed rate. Nancy or Tara, either one, why is it that a fixed rate is better? A fixed rate is better because if you look at the trends, we post it monthly on our on the commission website. And if you look at the trends, fixed rates normally typically are much lower. You may have companies that are come in are brand new and they may offer a variable rate that's much lower. But uh, from all the studies we've conducted and the analysis we do monthly and quarterly, fixed rate is the way to go and it saves customers a lot of money. You know, when a person's contract with their gas company is expiring, oftentimes they'll get a notice uh, and they have a certain time period to react. And they also may get some competitive offers offers as well. I often tell uh, customers, look, you know, first, before you change gas marketers, just talk with the one that you're with, call call their customer service, their call center, and say, look, I want to stay with you, but I'm getting these other officer, office, offers. Will you, you know, will you match this? Will you, uh, will you change? And I find that often the companies will do that. They'll work, they'll work with the customer. What is this rule uh, that, uh, how, how long does a customer have to re-sign that contract, uh, you know, once their their contract has expired, before it's automatically locked back in with the same marketer. Uh, normally, it's thirty days. I think it's typically about thirty days that you have to call back in and switch your plan. The a lot of some of the marketers are now have an option where the customer can automatically opt in. So once their fixed rate ends, if they're opted in, they will continue with a fixed whatever the new fixed rate price is. However, if you're not opted in, you will be switched to a variable rate, which is the higher end rate. I hope you folks are listening on this. You have to pay attention, and I know you're probably not writing on your calendar, renew gas contract or, you know, contract with X marketer expiring. But we're telling you that if you aren't paying attention and your contract ends and you don't do anything for 30 days, you're going to get put on a variable rate and you're going to wind up paying more than you need to. Is that right, Nancy? Absolutely. They will move you over to a variable rate. The reason why they can't automatically put you on a fixed rate is that if you decide, oh, I really didn't want this fixed rate, I want to switch to another marketer, then the marketer could charge you an exit fee, and that can be up to $150. So do pay attention to that notice. I've had constituents, ratepayers call me after the fact and say, hey, I didn't know about this. I missed the date. I didn't see the memo. I, I moved uh, or whatever the situation, and I've intervened from time to time. And you know, marketers have been kind uh, to essentially, you know, go back and put that customer on a on a fixed rate. But look, if if you're listening to our show, we appreciate that. You send me an email if you've had an issue with a gas company. We certainly want to try to try to help you. You know, as you think about uh, as you think about gas customers, Nancy, and advice that you would give. We've talked about a smart thermostat, like a Nest thermostat. We've talked about going onto a a, a fixed rate. We've talked about the scorecard that the commission does so you can make a wise decision. Is there any other advice that you would give just in our final few seconds here for gas customers? If you have a fireplace and you're able to control the lighting of the pilot light, some customers keep that pilot light on year round. I turn my pilot light off and only use it when I'm running my fireplace. Also, if you have if you have a water heater and you have leaky water faucets, have that fixed because as the water is going through the water heater, then you're also using therms of gas to keep that water hot. And there you have it. Great advice from our staff at the Public Service Commission. I'm Tim Eccles. You've been listening to Energy Matters. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you.
Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com. EV. Hybrid.com. Logan Booker, producer of Energy Matters, here for Better Tomorrow Solar. Imagine a world powered by sunlight. Imagine your home powered by sunlight. Better Tomorrow Solar has a passion for helping you see this for yourself. They've worked hard to overcome the chief obstacle to solar adoption, its initial cost. In some cases, they can install your solar panels at no cost, then charge a predetermined, stable rate for the energy used. In other cases, Better Tomorrow Solar has creative ways to finance the installation so the monthly payments are lower than the energy savings. Find out more at Better Tomorrow Solar Solar.com. That's bettertomorrowsolar.com and see how you make your world better. Hey, we're back on Energy Matters Live. It's great to be back in the studio, Casey. A lot of stuff happening out in our country. The Texas thing is now behind us. A lot of people got fired. Fired. I saw, I saw where their public utility uh, commission head uh, resigned. Uh, I think the top four members of ERCOT resigned. So there was a lot of, lot of fallout. Uh, but, you know, today, uh, I think we want to talk uh, in, in this segment about top, the top five trends in utilities. Kind of set this up for us. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a uh, report that our friends over at Apogee uh, put out, Joel Gilbert and Jim Malcolm, among others, who have been on the show, show before. And they're looking at the top five trends in customer engagement. And, you know, Tim, we thought this would be a good thing to cover for our listeners because I run a study on customer engagement for utilities. You regulate a utility here in uh, the state of Georgia. And so let's kind of poke at these and, and see what what they're thinking and whether that jibes with what we're thinking. Um, so, uh, Tim, oh, go ahead. Casey, uh, you know, decarbonization is their number, number one. Right. And I tell you, I'm hearing this. Everywhere I go, uh, you know, you know, in Georgia, not as much. But when when you talk to people from California and Germany, and I consider those uh, kind of trendsetters in the energy world, they're all about decarbonizing their transportation system now, uh, mm-hmm. and that seems to be the driver for all of this electric vehicle stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. And really, when you think about decarbonization, it's it's this broader thing, right? It's it's about taking carbon out of whatever it's being used for producing energy, transport, industrial uses. And, you know, what, what the Apogee folks are saying is essentially, this is something that people and companies are looking to their electric utilities in particular for leadership on. And I completely agree. This is something that we've seen as a trend within the study that I run. And, you know, you think about it that as people and companies are increasingly concerned about climate change, if their utilities are not helping them provide a solution, then they're going to look somewhere else. And that's a big risk for the energy utilities. Yeah, I think utilities are wanting to be leading the way on this. We're even seeing Southern Company talk uh, a lot about this. And I just saw a survey that was done, uh, a scientific you know, a poll that was done by the University of Georgia. Both Republicans and Democrats viewed this as an issue. And frankly, I was a little bit surprised about how high the number was for Republicans. And so I, I, I am beginning to see that and this may be more of a bipartisan issue than than I at first had realized. Yeah, we don't appear to agree on much in this country, but uh, we seem to agree on the necessity of tackling this issue. So number two here in their um, their report is the explosive intersection of personalization and video. And so they're basically saying, look, for utilities, it's about interacting with people in ways that are specific and relevant to them and uh, that video content is extremely impactful. So what are your thoughts on that, Tim? Well, we've heard about the the selfie vote, right? Uh, the, the, the importance of reaching folks out there on social media platforms, and there's a bunch of them, you know, with 
personalized messages with video. And I can tell you, Casey, as I ramp up for my reelection next year, that that 15-second videos on social media platforms is going to be one of the things that I spend the most money on. I, I think it's just it's just the way that we've got to communicate with people now. And I think utilities are realizing, wait a second, we want to engage with our customers. We want, we want to educate them. We want them to see that we're doing uh, the things that they're expecting us to do. But we also have a lot of new products and a lot of new opportunity. And we're going, we're going to help them see this through a video uh, and through personalizing content. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. You, you think about, you know, communicating and you want it to be relevant to people, right? Um, and, and one of the examples that I use all the time with my clients is most utilities have some sort of an appliance recycling program. Well, most people replace their appliances every seven years or so. So if you're communicating with me and I'm not replacing my appliance, that's wasted money. It's wasted effort. It doesn't matter to me, right? So really understanding what's relevant to folks is really helpful. And, and video allows you to convey things that you can't otherwise, just like you're saying. And it, it sounds like, Tim, you're going to be the TikTok commissioner. Is that right? 15 second videos? Yeah, I guess so. I guess I'm going to have to be the TikTok <laughs> commissioner. I mean, I, I wish that I was younger and that my face was younger and that and that maybe I look like I did back when I was in my twenties instead of instead of at my age because I really have the face for radio. Why why are we even doing this on video, Casey? Because we've got to reach know. we got to reach people, right? That's right. Uh, you know, Tim, you just need to find the cat filter and you, you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> all right. So the the next trend here that they've got is aligning rates with costs and carbon. And Tim, I suspect you know quite a bit more about this than I do, given. Your your role in helping set Georgia Power's rate. But I've got some thoughts on this, too. But let, let me let you go first on this one. Well, certainly low rates never go out of style. Uh, and, you know, folks, they want reliability, uh, first and foremost. And I think Texas showed us how important that was. I mean, as long as there's no crisis, I think everybody's happy to be aspiring for their favorite form of energy. But when there's a crisis that happens, an electron is an electron, <laughs> and they don't really care where it's coming from, I think, for the most part. But clearly, carbon, carbon pricing, I do think there will eventually be a price on carbon. And we look at that when we're making decisions about about plants, we we take a guess. Is it going you know, to? Could there be a low price on carbon, medium, high? And we're evaluating these scenarios, Casey. And you know, and I think you're going to continue to see us close coal plants in Georgia over the next ten to twenty years. Tim, here's my take on it. In their paper, the Apogee folks really are advocating for the adoption of time of use rates or and or demand rates. And we've talked about these on the show before. And, and both you and I, you know, have have used time of use rates. They spend almost a third of the report talking about why this is important. And, and Tim, you're a politician. What does it mean when you're explaining in politics? It means that you really haven't got people with you yet and you are possibly going to be confusing people. And any surprise that time of use rates are confusing? Yeah, exactly right. And and this is where I think they're totally off base, right? I, I mean, yes, time of use rates are, are great for certain segments of energy geeks like you and me who know how to use them. But I think for most people, and, and you even see this with cell phones, right? Cell phones used to be on the, you know, time of use per minute, you know, peak period, you know, uh, even before that landlines, people wouldn't call until the weekends because you'd have that peak. People didn't like it and it was confusing. And so everyone's moved to this flat rate, right? You pay $70 a month for your cell phone or whatever it is, right? And you get unlimited talk and text. So I really think that the future here is not time of use or demand rates, at least on the residential side but really in utilities figuring out how do they price to incorporate things that people value, whether it's reliability, like you were talking about, right? Everyone wants the power to stay on or whether it's, you know, decarbonized electricity we talked about in the first trend. Um, they really need to figure that model out rather than than a volumetric a time of use, a demand rate, again, at least for uh, residential customers, because it's just confusing for most folks. Yeah, I, I would love for people to care more about time of use rates, but I have beat my head against the table trying to get people to try it and there are there's a segment that will oh absolutely and, and, and you know what let's work with them let's add to it but 
we can't build a whole system around that group. Totally agreed. All right. So let's move on to the next one here, which is spotlight on energy equality. And this is really talking about, you know, as we deal with these things uh, around decarbonization and reliability, how do we make sure that people that have uh, limited means uh, or uh, are, you know, low income aren't left behind? And energy, of course, underpins everything that we do in society. And, you know, Tim, you mentioned this before big focus for you at the commission around low rates and how do you and your fellow commissioners think about this idea of energy equality and, and equity as you're you're looking at rates? You know, Casey, there's so many variables to affordability, right? How big's your house? Mm-hmm. How big is your house? Uh, you know, how how energy efficient is your house? Um, you know, what what is your income? Uh, are you on prepay? Um you know, are, is there assistance programs that we can help you with to make your house more efficient in order to lower your energy bill? I mean, there there are so many things. I just don't think there's a magic wand on this, Casey, in, in terms of getting everyone straight uh, in, uh, in terms of affordability. I think we've got to we've really got to work on improving the housing stock out there and making all houses as energy efficient as possible. If that means changing building codes, is that if that means uh, if, if that means providing more opportunities like for the pay as you save program, I think we gotta we we've got to come up with creative ways. There there is no one single thing to to make this work. That makes a lot of sense to me. All right. So the last one here as we wrap up this segment is big data produces big results. And this is kind of the idea that you know utilities have a lot of meter data, they've got a lot of customer data, and it's how do you apply that? And you know my company has done a lot of this work uh, over the years and even recently as as you know utilities have had these shutoff moratoriums and are dealing with customers who are in arrears we're working with big data with our clients to figure out who is it that's likely to fall behind in their payments and how can our clients the utilities connect them with energy assistance programs energy efficiency programs things like that that can help them and not let them get uh, uh, behind Yeah, well, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, Just catch more of what Casey's talking about, all five of these trends at apogee.net, A-P-O-G-E-E.net. And thanks for listening to Energy Matters today. Have a great day, everyone. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com, solarsunworld.com. Hi, I'm Randy, and this is Dave. We're the founders of Bombas, the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. So comfortable, we sold and donated millions of pairs. To sell and donate a lot of socks, we became obsessed with comfort. We reinvented the sock from the ground up, adding comfort innovations along the way. It worked. People tried them, loved them, told their friends about them. Helping us sell and donate millions of pairs. Try them now at bombas.com slash comfy and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash comfy.